Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. A few weeks ago, I was uh, rethinking the next six months of what to teach and what to preach through. And uh, I know there were certain themes that I wanted to preach through and certain um, uh, topics I wanted to get to. And as I was thinking about it, I mapped out the next six months. So uh, in two weeks, we're going to look at John chapter 15, the entire chapter. And it's the discussion between Jesus and his disciples about the vine and the branches. And we're going to take four weeks and look at John 15. After that, we're going to go verse by verse through the book of Hebrews. And uh, we'll identify some things in the book of Hebrews. And then there's two other series I'd like to do before the end of the year. And there was this three-week window that I didn't know what to preach. And I really felt led uh, that God would have us look at sheep and shepherds for three weeks for three different chapters. So if you were here with us last week online, we looked at Psalm chapter 23. And in Psalm chapter 23, we kind of looked at what biblical peace looked like. And we talked about how David rested in his relationship with God, in God's position, the way that God provided for him, all these different ways that God was in David's life. And so today we're in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Everyone say Ezekiel. So um, God used Ezekiel to speak to God's people after their exile to Babylon in 597 B.C. So while Jeremiah warned the people in Jerusalem of the coming destruction, Ezekiel spoke to those who had already been taken captive. And so the messages of Jeremiah and Ezekiel are quite similar, though they spoke to people hundreds of miles away from one another. And here's the thing, Ezekiel knew the fate that awaited God's people. He knew of the similar deportation of the northern kingdom in the hands of the Assyrians. The southern kingdom remained faithful to God for about a century longer. But eventually they too became engrossed in the idolatry of the surrounding nations. And so in exile, Ezekiel experienced and shared with people a number of different visions. He was both a priest and a prophet. He was well acquainted with God's law and its covenant-keeping implications for God's people. And so God, through Ezekiel, reminded the people that the exiles uh, were God's judgment and that it was very purposeful. And ultimately, his purpose was this. He wanted the people to know that God was God alone and deserving of their worship. When we get to Ezekiel 34, if you're following in the notes, you'll notice Ezekiel 34 is a warning of judgment and a message of hope. Everyone say the word judgment. And everyone say the word hope. So here's the thing about judgment and hope. If you focus just on one of them, you get an incomplete view of God's purpose. And if all you do is focus on hope, there is a danger where you do not lean into what God's judgment is actually calling out. And if all you do is lean into God's judgment, that becomes a very precarious way to live out your faith because there's no hope. And so Ezekiel 34 is both this Uh, warning of judgment, but also this incredible message of hope. We've taken some time last week to identify some characteristics of sheep, and as we did, one thing is abundantly clear. Shepherds are incredibly important to the life of the sheep. 
And God acknowledges that his people are like sheep. We are at times careless. We are at times helpless. At times we are easily led astray. And yet we are very precious to the, to the shepherd. And so God calls his people to care for others as a way of reflecting his goodness. In your notes, we have that statement. I want to read it again for us. God called his people to care for others as a way of reflecting his goodness. When you care for your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are actually reflecting the goodness of God in your life. That's a beautiful expression of how God takes care of us. So our proper response for how God has taken care of us is to take care of those around us. It's the proper expression of reflecting his goodness. So he asks us to take care for one another as he cares for us. One of the beautiful things during the last few months that we have seen is that when someone had a need, we had more than enough people to take care of that need. Probably because you were so bored. Um, I'll be honest with you. We had more help than we needed at times. But us caring for one another is the natural reflection of God's goodness in our own life. So, the opposite of that is true as well. When we fail to care for our brothers and sisters, what we are doing is we're neglecting the goodness of God in his own life. How we treat others is a reflection of how seriously we take this commission from God. God calls us to care for others as a way to reflect his goodness. He doesn't ask us to identify their worth, he doesn't ask us to consider their background. He doesn't ask us to consider how much education someone has. He doesn't ask us to consider the kind of family someone comes from. He doesn't ask us to consider uh, the background, the color of their skin, the language in which they speak. He simply asks us to care for others. This is how we reflect God's goodness. Now, Ezekiel 34, again, it's a, it's a warning of what? Judgment. And it's a message of? So, God speaks to two different audiences in Ezekiel 34. The first audience he speaks to are the shepherds. God speaks to the shepherds. Look at verse 1 and 2 of Ezekiel 34. Verse 1 and 2 says this. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? What's the tone in those two verses as I read them? What does that sound like? Judgment? What else? Love. Wow. Yeah. There's a balance in there, isn't there? That's beautiful, Daphne. What else do you hear in there? First two verses. Judgment, a little bit of love. Direction. Mm -hmm. Is he disappointed? It kind of feels like he's disappointed, right? The audience God is speaking to is the shepherds. And part of the reason I wanted to do this three-week study right now on sheep and shepherds is kind of paint to you a biblical picture of what God expects from a shepherd. And the calling of being a shepherd is a high and holy calling with very high expectations and responsibilities, not so much just from around one another, 
but from our church family, from our elders, but really from God himself. And so the shepherds of Israel, they are the spiritual leaders of the people. And as we look at what God is speaking to the shepherds, there's an indictment. Look at verse 3. Here's the indictment from God. You eat the curds. You clothe yourselves with the wool and the slaughter of choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. Verse 4, you have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick or bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost, you have ruled them harshly and brutally. This is the indictment from God to the shepherds. Again, um, there's two parts of this message, right? There's this, this warning of judgment and the message of hope. So if you're a little uncomfortable with the judgment part, stick around. The hope's coming real soon. But right now, he's talking directly to the spiritual leaders of Israel. And he is saying, you are not doing your job. You are not fulfilling your purpose. Rather, you're taking care of yourselves. Verse 3, you do not take care of yourself. So there's several things that they did. Number one, the shepherds fed themselves rather than the people. The shepherds fed themselves rather than the people. Their primary interest was themselves rather than the sheep. The second part of the indictment, they ate the fat. In other words, they fed off the sheep rather than feeding the sheep. So they fed themselves rather than the people. They ate the fat. That, that means that rather than uh, feeding the sheep, they fed off of them. Third indictment is this, they clothe themselves with the wool. What the, what, the, what the prophet is painting is this picture that they were fleecing the flock rather than feeding the flock. And so the primary duty of the shepherd was to see that the flock was well fed. It was to see that the flock was well fed. This is why our church will always preach and teach directly from the Bible. Psalms 23, we looked at it last week, says this, uh, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The picture that the psalmist is painting of being lied down in the green pastures is he's providing them with their food. He's making sure that they're well fed. Jesus said to Peter in the New Testament, Feed my sheep. Peter wrote to the elders in the New Testament, Feed the flock of God. Paul tells us that God has placed in the church shepherds for the perfecting of the saints, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of faith, the building up of the body of Christ, bring it into full maturity. The responsibility of shepherds in our life is to make sure we're well fed. Fourth indictment is this. They did not care for the sick among the flock. The wording that the prophet uses is they didn't bind up the broken. In other words, when, when one of them was injured, one of them was sick, the shepherd took no care for those that were sick. The fifth indictment, they didn't seek those that were driven away. We'll talk about this in a moment, but in a shepherd, uh, in a shepherd and sheep where there's a, a flock, there are some that are driven away from a threat or for, uh, because of danger. And so the shepherd's indictment here was that the shepherds of Israel, the spiritual leaders of Israel, did not seek anybody that was driven away from the flock. 
Verse or, um, number six, I should say, the sixth indictment is this. They didn't seek those that were lost. When the sheep wandered away and they got lost from the flock, the shepherds in Israel, the spiritual leaders in Israel, they were so concerned with them themselves that they didn't look after the lost. And then the seventh one, the seventh indictment, is they ruled with abuse, force, and cruelty. Shepherds have an incredible responsibility. As I read this chapter really about a year or two ago in my personal devotion, I became increasingly aware of the weight on the role of shepherd in a church family. And let me say this, as a matter of commitment, as a church family, we are committed to loving God and loving others. And as your pastor, as your shepherd, elders as shepherds, we are committed to feeding our flock. We're committed to caring for the sick, to pursuing those that are driven away, to seeking out those that are lost, and to do so without ever resorting to abuse, force, or cruelty. Let me just speak to those for a moment that have experienced abuse, force, or cruelty in a church setting. Especially from those that you trusted that were in positions of leadership in ministry. On the, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so sorry that you've experienced that hurt. I pray for your healing and your restoration. And I can't imagine that's an easy thing for you to give to God rather than to harbor that own bitterness and anger in your own heart. As the prophet describes the indictment, there's some definite consequences that happen to shepherds. He goes on in verse 5 and 6 to detail the consequences. And so this is what he says in verse 5 and 6. They were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. What were the consequences? Number one, the sheep were scattered. That means there was no community they were not doing life together. They were not in one each other's spaces. They were scattered because the shepherds were more concerned for themselves than they were for their flock. Consequence number two, the sheep became prey. In Ephesians 4, it says that the shepherds were to bring the flock into full maturity so they would not be a prey for every wind of doctrine or cunning of men who are lying to wait in deceit. The sheep became prey. The reason I want you to embrace a life of authenticity, relationships, outreach, embrace a life of biblical study, of prayer. I don't know if you've noticed, but in most of my messages, we're talking about the simple applications of our faith, like taking time every single day to have a quiet time with God. Taking time every single day to pray. Taking time every single day to read the scripture. The reason why this is so important to me as your pastor is because in your life there is going to be a moment where the enemy of our soul is lying in wait to deceive you, to destroy you. And you're going to hear things like this. Pornography doesn't really hurt anyone. You're going to hear lies like the porn that you're watching doesn't really hurt anyone. You're going to hear lies like cheating on my taxes really benefits me. And the more if it benefits me, the more I'm able to provide for my family. And the more I can provide for my family, the more I can give to church. So it's probably a good thing. 
you're going to hear things like, unforgiveness really protects you. Because if you don't forgive, you don't let anyone close enough to hurt you, you'll never get hurt. And the reason I want you to pour into Scripture, the reason I, I so desperately desire our church to be a church where every single person has a daily quiet time, that they're reading Scriptures on their own, that they're praying on their own, because at some point there might be a pandemic that says you can't go to church on Sundays. And so what do you do? How do you feed yourselves? One of the responsibilities as a shepherd is to make sure the sheep are fed. And one of the reasons we uh, emphasize the simple disciplines of the faith is so one day you can exercise and walk it out on your own. The sheep were scattered. They didn't know where to go. They weren't together anymore. The sheep became prey because the predators were able to hone in on them. The sheep wandered. A third consequence, they wandered through all the mountains. They had no sense of direction or purpose. And the duty of the shepherd was to lead as Jesus leads. And in Psalm 23, we looked at last week, part of the chapter says this, He leads me beside still water. He leads me in the path of righteousness. It does not give way for sheep to wander. And so the first part of this chapter is this warning of judgment where God speaks to shepherds. And now he turns his attention to the sheep. We said that it was both a warning of judgment, but also a message of hope. And so this is what we see. So look at verse 17. He says this, As for you, my flock, this is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord says. If you skip down to verse 22, he says this, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. God, as the true and good shepherd, speaks to the flock. And as he does, he reminds the people of his role in their life. He gives several promises to sheep. How many of you are sheep this morning? Come on now, embrace your identity. We talked about this, right? This, this portion of scripture, I want you to view it as a letter written to you. You are the sheep God is talking about. This is what he says. The first promise he gives to the sheep is this. I will search for my sheep. And seek them out. You know what a beautiful promise that is? That God is going to search for you. When you wander, when you're led astray, when the predators are after you in your life, when you're not around the flock anymore, God promises, boy, the shepherds in your life may have disappointed you, but I will search for you. The second promise he gives is this. I will deliver them from all the places where they've been scattered. This is a promise from God right to you, right to me as sheep, that he will deliver us. The third promise is this, I will bring them into their own land. This was an especially important promise for the people of Israel as they were promised their own land. The fourth promise is this, I will feed my flock. The fifth promise is this, I will bind those that are broken and strengthen those that are sick. The sixth promise is this, I will judge those that have abused my sheep. And then seventh and finally, I will save my flock so they will no longer be prey to the enemy. Boy, this week I'd encourage you to take Ezekiel 34 and that whole time he's talking to the shepherd or to the sheep, I want you to embrace that as God speaking to you. Several beautiful promises. We pick it up from verse 23 and there's one more promise he gives us as sheep. Look at verse 23. He says this, I will place over them one shepherd. Everyone say, one shepherd. One shepherd. My servant David. And he will tend them 
and he will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the promise I want you to rest your heart and attention on. For those of you who have been abused, for those of you who have been treated poorly in the past by ministries or churches or pastors in the past, for those of you who feel like you have been scattered, you used to be a part, uh, an integral part of a church family, but you feel like you've been scattered, for those of you who have been driven away because of the mistreatment you've experienced, for those of you who have been hurt beyond repay, for repair, I want you to embrace this promise because God promises to set over his people a true and faithful shepherd, and that is Jesus. Jesus Christ of the seed of David declared, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. This week, I want you to read John chapter 10. That'll be, the, uh, that'll be the chapter we study next week as we close this really brief study on sheep and shepherd. But God himself, Jesus Christ in the flesh, told his disciples, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. God had said that the unfaithful shepherds had done just that. They had eaten the fat. They had fleeced the flock. They had destroyed the flock, leaving them to be prey for all the beasts. And yet God's promise of a shepherd was coming, and his name is Jesus. This is the message of hope. You see, part of his promise was to pursue those that were driven away, scattered, and lost. And these promises are for each one of us. As we kind of rest our attention on these two audiences, God speaking to the sheep and God sheep, uh, speaking to the shepherd, God is really speaking to you and I in this moment in this chapter. I have three questions for you as you kind of let this message sit in your heart for a moment. Number one, um, have you been driven away? We see that phrase quite a bit in Ezekiel 34. He's talking about sheep that were once a part of the fold, but for one reason or another, there was a pressure, there was an enemy, there was a danger, there was something that drove them away. There was a threat that drove them away. Have you been driven away from the family of God? Have you been driven away in one part or another? And being driven away, have you been left to feed yourselves? Have you, have you been left to be away from the flock, but more importantly, away from the shepherd? Have you been driven away? Have you been scattered? We saw that phrase a couple of times in Ezekiel 34, and the idea of being scattered is this idea that you just kind of wandered off. We didn't have church on Sundays, and so you kind of just wandered off. You kind of just scattered. There wasn't a regular Bible study anymore, and so you kind of just wandered off from Bible reading. There wasn't a regular prayer time where Daniel leads us in prayer, and I can say amen with him, and that counted as my prayer, and so you just kind of wandered off from prayer. Have you been driven away? Have you been scattered? The third question is this, have you been lost? Uh, This is an opportunity when God speaks to the sheep for us to embrace those promises as our very own and to claim them as our own. The good shepherd waits for us. He pursues us. The The promises he gives to the shepherd to the sheep, are crystal clear. He says, I will save my flock. 
He says, I will judge those that have been abused, uh, that have abused my sheep. So if there's been an instance of that in your life, I want you to rest, uh, rest assured that God will judge those who have abused his flock. He says, I will bind those that are broken and strengthened. The picture, to, the picture of a shepherd when there's someone that's been broken or someone that needed to be bound up is that someone, one of the sheep would be hurting, they would be bound up, and for a period of time, the shepherd would carry them on the shoulder as they went from pasture to the pasture, giving his sheep the rest needed in order to get well. He promises to feed his flocks. He promises to deliver them, and he promises them the hope that comes with the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34 is this warning of judgment. And for those of us who are spiritual leaders in this church, I would highly recommend you read through Ezekiel 34 and understand the high calling we have been given to lead a group of people, to pastor, to shepherd them. And for those of us who name the name of Christ and this is your church home, boy, these promises rest in your hearts, and I hope that they do. Let's take a moment. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we kind of consider these thoughts. And as they do, uh, I just want to pray for you, our church family, the flock of God, as it were. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for you, the opportunity to, to be in this building, to worship together. Father, as we think about this warning of judgment and also this message of hope. Father, I pray that you would illuminate our eyes. Father, I pray, I pray for the, uh, I pray for Darren and myself as pastors of this church. I pray for our staff. I pray for our elders. And I pray for our Sunday school teachers. I pray, Lord, as the spiritual leaders in this church, that we would not be guilty of feeding off of the sheep. I pray that we would not be guilty of not feeding them well. I pray that we would not be guilty of leading in harsh tones and with cruelty and with abuse. Father, I pray as leaders in our church that we would take seriously the high calling of guiding a church family. I pray that that warning of judgment we would take seriously and Father, if there's any, uh, I think about Psalms and I think about the way David prayed. Father, I pray, search us. And if there be any wicked way in us, I pray that you would help us turn from that and we would repent. And that we would be healthy spiritual leaders in this church. Father, as we shift our attention and we think about that message of hope, uh, Father, I pray that as sheep, we would embrace our identity as sheep. We would claim the promises that you've given to sheep. Father, you said you would save us. You said you would feed us, that you would deliver us, that you would protect us, that you would lead us. And so, Father, as sheep, we claim that promise. Father, I pray that we would be a people surrendered to you as the shepherd in our life. For those of us, Lord, that have never made a commitment to follow you, I pray that we would not wait a single moment. 
I pray for someone who's never made a decision to follow Christ, that today would be the day that they choose to follow him. In fact, while our our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, just for a matter of privacy, for you to be able to answer uh, these questions honestly and with purity in your heart. How many of you would say, Daniel, this is the time I need to follow Christ with all my heart. Would you pray for me that I am able to make that decision? If that's here, if you're here today and, and you need me to pray for you in that way, in that specific way, I just ask you to lift your hand and I'd love to pray for you. I won't call you out by name or anything like that, but we'll just take a moment and pray for you right now. We take it that seriously. Thank you. I see those hands. Father, I pray for these that rose their hand and said, I want to follow you with a complete heart. I want you to be my shepherd. Today, would you give them the calm assurance that you are in their life? Father, I pray that they would have the courage to reach out to a friend or a loved one and say, man, I want to follow Jesus. Would you help me do that? Father, as a church family, we'd be united in that pursuit of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, We invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.